Welcome to Mind Your Mind. Mind Your Mind podcast is for busy people like you who want to enjoy life and free up their time and emotional space by learning valuable tools for self-care and mindfulness. Our weekly topics are filled with compelling discussions and practical solutions to increase your productivity and healthy living. I'm your host, Joseph Tropper, and I'm honored to have you here with me today. Welcome to episode 19, Seven Defense Mechanisms We All Use. We've all heard this word in psychology, and it's uh, gets our defenses rolling. What are what are defense mechanisms? Freud was very, very obsessed with them and wrote extensively about them. I'm not going to go through all of Freud's. Uh, this is more taken just from general psychology. And of course, there'll be an overlap if you're familiar with uh, Freud's work as well. Uh, defense mechanisms are basically uh, ways that we protect our ego and protect ourselves. Let me actually give you a quote. Um, most of the quotes that I found actually were a little bit sarcastic or kind of making fun of defense mechanisms. So I had to share my own quote today, and that is, defense mechanisms protect us, but also blind us at the same time. And that's really what I'm going to talk about today, how defense mechanisms are meant to protect our ego, protect ourselves from hurt and pain and suffering, um, but they often lead to blinding us as well, blinding us from reality, blinding us from our own part, and blinding us from ways to better our lives. And when we could take a step back and just recognize what's going on, sometimes uh, that's half of the solution just uh, having that awareness. The way I like to conceptualize it is just to think about blind spots that we have. So if you're a big truck, you're going to have a big blind spot. If you're a small car, you might have smaller blind spots, but we all have them. And if we could um, compensate for them by just knowing before we uh, change lanes that, hey, you know, there might be someone in my lane, I just won't be able to see them because of my blind spots, uh, that could be very, very effective for us and that can make a big impact on our lives. All right, so let's go through the seven defense mechanisms that we all use. Again, when I say all use, there's levels. Some of us use it 90% of the time and some of us use it 5% of the time. But just being aware of them can help bring them out into consciousness. Number one, denial. Uh, what we call in psychology, cognitive dissonance. So we have a, a contradiction. On the one hand, we want to look at ourselves as being perfect uh, human beings and flawless. On the other hand, uh, someone's pointing out that we've done something wrong against them or that we've messed up something. So we deny and denial is a way that we protect our ego from having to admit that, yes, I'm imperfect. Um, sometimes denial pushes us to do greater things. Um, for example, if you're an athlete and you're overcome with um, fear and feeling that you can't do it and that you can't perform, but that you just say to yourself, listen, I don't care about those feelings. I'm going to deny them and I'm just going to go forward. And hey, you might actually win a, a gold medal doing that. So sometimes denial can be very helpful. Again, it's a defense mechanism. It protects us. Sometimes it blinds us. Sometimes it blinds us in a negative way. Sometimes it blinds us in a positive way. Number two is regression. And we see this a lot. Regression means to go back to an earlier stage. Um, Freud conceptualized it in two ways. One is uh, you have an adult who's upset about something, and all of a sudden they start having a five-year-old tantrum. So that's a regression. They're going back to an earlier stage. Um, so that's one aspect of it, just the regression of reverting back to an earlier stage. Freud talked about how when people are attacked, they kind of roll up into a ball and go into fetal position. So it's kind of a protective zone. But there's another part which Freud talked about um, beyond the protective zone or physical or emotional protection, but also because of some trauma that happened in childhood uh, that one was not able to go through the stages of growing up and becoming an adult. So therefore they regress and act like a child, which is the state that they might be in. So they might actually be a 30, 40, 50 year old person, but emotionally they might be stuck in a certain stage of two, three, four, and five. And so just being aware of it, hey, I'm having a regression here, I'm acting like a child. And sometimes we 
you know, if we notice the way we talk to other people, sometimes we talk to people and we say, you're acting like a child. Well, what that usually means is that you're using regression as a defense mechanism um, instead of dealing with this in an adult way. So if you do see yourself regressing, sometimes it's healthy to regress and to be a playful child, but sometimes it's maladaptive and dysfunctional. And so that doesn't help. So just be aware of it. Number three, disassociation. A lot of people are scared by this word. They think that it has terrible connotations. Everyone disassociates. We zone out of different things that we don't want to focus on because they hurt. Yeah, there are extreme ways of disassociation, which would describe someone who wakes up in the middle of a surgery because the anesthesia didn't work and they kind of see themselves hovering above their body. I'm not talking about out-of-body experiences, although there is some overlap between the two according to some studies um, and there is some similarity in how things are described. But I'm talking about just um, kind of being in a car accident and kind of watching it from the outside because it's just too painful to watch from the inside. So that's what disassociation means. Again, when I work with people, I, I try to ask them, you know, how present are you in mindfulness versus being spaced out or not being present or having your mind somewhere else. And based on that percentage, I like to try to get people in the 80 to 90 percent present versus, you know, maybe 10 percent somewhere else. But in that 10 percent somewhere else, if they really are somewhere else because of trauma, then there is a big threat that that 10 percent could expand very, very much. So we really just want to kind of understand how much am I present in the moment versus how much am I disassociating and not present in the moment. Number four, compartmentalization. And this, again, could be, like all of them, could be used in the positive or the negative. Um, compartmentalizing things is to kind of pull out one piece of them and choose to ignore that piece. Um, for example, sometimes when we're children, we look at our parents as all perfect. And when they do things that are slightly uh, imperfect or worse, then we compartmentalize and say, well, you know, they're still perfect, but they just did this stupid thing or hurtful thing to me. Uh, sometimes it's the opposite. We look at our parents or other people as all bad and we compartmentalize anything good that they do and kind of just put it in a, put it away in its own compartment and say it's not really related to them. This is one of the forerunners of black and white thinking, which is usually seen as a negative thing because it, it usually means that we're having some skewed way of looking at people. Now, it's hard not to have a skewed way of looking at people because our brain is always translating things and our brain is always trying to define friend, foe, predator, danger, safe. And so our brain loves to compartmentalize things and just kind of write off, well, that person's not safe or that person's just bad or that person's just negative. And we have to be careful of that, especially in our intimate relationships that we are trying to have or friendships that we're working on, that if we are uh, using black and white thinking, that could be very, very negative because it will skew our view of this person. Number five, and again, Freud and Jung made this one very famous, projection. So projection is basically um, me forcing you to play a part in my own problem. So, for example, um, if in my childhood or if in your childhood you were constantly put down and insulted um, and then you're in a friendship with me or relationship with me, you start to project and, and make it as if some of the things that I'm saying are putting you down and insulting you to that level of what was done in your childhood and you're not willing to listen to an apology or try to repair that and that could really sabotage your relationship. And we, we all project in some way because we're kind of just used to the hurts that we have and our brain is, again, trying to protect ourselves and start trying to say, oh, no, never again. I'm not going to get hurt that way again. I'm not going to get hurt by going into that place or being in that situation or being vulnerable like that. So we, we automatically do project. But if we could be aware of that, that, hey, you know, is this the reality of what's going on? Is my friend really being malicious? Is my spouse really being malicious? And that could really help um, us come to grips with the exact situation in front of us and actually deal with it as a mature young adult. Now, again, like I've said so many times, 
these are defense mechanisms, so they're meant to protect us, but at the same time, they could also be blinding us, and that's, that's where um, the danger comes. You might notice that there is a common theme behind all these, and some of them do overlap, and that is true, but again, I'm trying to help give a definition of how each one stands out individually. Number six is reaction formation, again, a very Freudian one, and that is when you claim to oppose something that you really endorse. So you could have a guy who you know goes all out uh, and protests about uh, some injustice that he's bothered by, but really in his own home he's um, doing that exact injustice, uh, whether it's hiring inappropriate people or doing inappropriate things. And so this reaction formation kind of becomes our way of telling ourselves, no, I'm really good and I'm really against this thing, um, but I'm actually doing it myself. So, but the fact that I'm protesting makes me feel satisfied with myself. And so we really need to ask ourselves, you know, the things that we are reacting against. Um, are they things that we are being hypocritical about? And sometimes we're not, and sometimes we're really idealistic. Sometimes we are, in which case we could uh, have some recognition and do something about it. And the last one is number seven, intellectualization. And that is basically having this attitude of don't feel, just think. Um, and the, the, the issue with this is that a lot of people think this is a very male thing, and it certainly is. Um, but women do this all the time as well, and, they, and don't think they get away from it. Because intellectualization is actually just a form of blame. It's blaming someone else for our problems and blaming someone else for the situation that often we contributed to. Um, and so we need to learn how to, yes, sometimes it's helpful to intellectualize and just remove ourselves emotionally because our emotions are getting in the way um, from us making a clear decision. But other times it leads to blaming and anger and frustration, which, which are not resolved properly. The bottom line is that we are very complex human beings, and I don't want you walking away from here thinking, oh my goodness, what's wrong with all of us? We do these things in order to protect ourselves, and they are ego developments that help protect ourselves. They're mechanisms that are built in. The danger that they have is that while protecting us, they also blind us. And if we could be aware of our blind spots, again, then we could do so much about them and so many things with them. And I think that one of the great things about therapy or finding someone to be a coach or someone that you could talk to and be accountable to is that this outside perspective doesn't have these blind spots because when I'm watching a truck back up, I don't. there's no blind spots for me. When I'm watching the truck in front of me on the highway change lanes, I see all their blind spots very clearly. And, I, and if I could teach them how to see them and be aware of them and they could be open and honest about them, then tremendous changes could take place. A, they could learn new ways to protect themselves in healthy ways. And B, they could learn to engage with people without the blame and, and other issues as well here. So I hope this opened up your mind to just kind of recognizing how some of the landscape of how our brain works, because I think that's important for self-care. As always, I welcome your questions and comments. It's great to hear from everybody. Uh, just go to the website, mindyourmindonline.com. Click on Ask Joseph if you have any specific questions or things that you want to hear more about. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to mind your mind. For more practical ideas and to make sure you never miss an episode, visit us at mindyourmindonline.com.